This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Sports personalities Shelly Till and Dave O'Hara bring you non-sugar-coated stories of the famous, not-so-famous, and everyday hometown heroes who have overcome adversity and incredible challenges to achieve success. Too Much Grit to Quit. Discover the key to unlock the chains that keep you from achieving your dreams. Please subscribe, like, share, and download today. Hello and welcome back into Too Much Grit to Quit. Thanks for joining us again for another week. We have an amazing guest lined up for you in this episode. I am Shelly Till, by the way. Forgot that part, Dave. <laughs> he is Dave O'Hara, and I'm I'm so I'm just so geeked to get uh, to get into the story. Uh, we have joining us in the next segment, Shane Wallen. Shane is the assist or excuse me, the strength and conditioning coach for the Chicago Cubs formerly the assistant strength and conditioning coach with the San Francisco 49ers and just an all around tremendous human being there. The world needs more Shane Wallens and you're going to hear why in a, in a minute, but uh, talk about grit. I mean, when I was reading through Shane's bio and stories, he is the epitome of the word grit. He is the perfect reason that we are doing this podcast and uh, he's going to share some of his stories and, and some of the adversities and things he's gone through, but just the, uh, an amazing person uh, who loves people and loves to give back to the community that he uh, lives in and, and where he is from in Northern California. That is so well stated, Shelly. And, and listeners, I encourage you to go online. Well, besides going on when you listen to this podcast and subscribe, rate, and review us, and thanks for liking us and also giving us your comments. We, Shelly and I, are inspired. Besides inspired and in interviewing and talking to our guests each week, uh, we thoroughly enjoy all of your comments and responses, and it really keeps us going and gets us in a direction. So as we've mentioned, and as you heard in the show intro and you were here in our show outro, please give us any suggestions on any guests or stories that you may have for us to to follow up on. We'll be happy to do that. But again, please subscribe, rate, and review us. We greatly appreciate any feedback that, that you can give us and uh, any type of pub and promo. We greatly appreciate it. So, Shelly, to your exact point, though, you know, you can always tell uh, a lot about a person when you see how they respond to adversity or, as you mentioned, when they are exercising their grit muscle. And no more impressive guy than I, I'm excited to talk to him, talk with him, with you, and also hear more of his stories. But if you go online after you hear this podcast, uh, and just follow up on some of the videos of helping get his local high school football team, his home area, back on the field after the devastating campfires up in Paradise, California, Northern California last summer, summer of 2018. What an incredibly inspiring story. Oh, by the way, Shelly, as you and I have talked off the air, his his own personal story leading up to the fire when growing up with his mother and, and his family and, and support system. Uh, I just I can't even begin to get some follow-up on some of these stories that I've seen online and heard you tell me. I've not had the privilege of meeting or speaking with him yet, as you have, but you've got a great story in reference to Shelly, one of the many great stories you have involving Shane and your family and your son-in-law, George Kittle, the uh, all-everything tight end with the San Francisco 49ers and, and your daughter, who is married to George Kittle, uh, uh, Claire Tittle, or Claire Till Tittle, Kittle, excuse me, uh, easy for me to say, but you you told me some <laughs> stories off the air, obviously not easy, but you told some great stories and just want to highlight the shopping story, if you would, with George and Brett Selleck, uh, one of the, um, uh, t- another tight end with the 49ers, and I, it's just, even if it's not a holiday story, it's just a great story, and so if you'd share those couple of those stories, or that one in particular, I think that'd be a great in- intro into the next two segments that we're going to have with Shane Wallen, please. Sure. I was in California last November, t- November 2018, right when the 
they call it, they always name these fires based upon, I believe it's the road or wherever they started. Correct. And so this, this one was called the camp fire. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was there right when it got started and you know, you out there, you start hearing things a little bit. They put these alerts out and, uh, depending on where you are and what way the wind is blowing, you can tell if there's a fire, um, in terms of the air quality. And so, uh, I was there and the day that I got there, in fact, was the day that this all started. And Shane is from uh, the Chico area. His father was living in paradise at the time and he, uh, was affected by this fire. And so by the time I arrived and it was late into the evening, um, I was talking to Claire and George and, and George was like, Hey, we got to load up or Claire said, we got to load up this bed. Uh, they were going to give their bed to Shane because Shane, at 10 o'clock at night, was going to drive up and deliver this bed to his father, who was left homeless because of this fire. Mm-hmm. He didn't know it at the time. But anyway, so he comes, and, and that's where I first met Shane. And he we strapped this bed into the back of his pickup, and away he went into the dark of the night. Now, that was a three-, four-hour drive for him right. at 10 o'clock at night in the middle of the week. And so he delivered that bed, and you're going to hear him talk uh, more in detail. He's probably going to tell us more about this story. But one of the things I know that he did for a fact was went and uh, met with a lot of these displaced families who were literally camping out in the Walmart parking lot because they had no place to go. I mean, I'm talking devastation, people. Everything was down. There was not a building left standing in this town. And he got to know a lot of these families. One in particular was a mother of... Um, I believe she had four children Mm. and was a single mom and she was absolutely devastated, lost everything. Now, remember, this is in November of 2018. So that's right before the Christmas holiday. Right. And so Shane would take his time and and make repeated visits to just sit and talk with these people um, and, you know, humanize them. And uh, you can imagine the stress and the, the worry and the anxiety that they were feeling. And he just took his time and like I said, he's just a good human being, a, a good person. And so he was telling uh, the guys, George and Garrett Selleck and the tight ends for the 49ers about this family. And they just decided, well, hey, we're going to adopt this family for Christmas. So the fun part was the next time <laughs> I was out there uh, in December, we got to go, Claire and I, and I felt like Santa Claus. We had a list. They got a list of like the kids wish list of things that they needed. There were two boys that I believe were like teenagers and then, um, a, a two little girls, if I'm, or maybe a younger boy and a little girl. I know there was one little girl and you'll know why in a moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, right, right. so Claire and I go and we get, we take the list and we get, uh, we go shopping for this, these boys. And it was like, like I said, I felt like Santa Claus. I'm just like throwing <laughs> football cleats in the, and, uh, footballs and sports gear and clothing and we just had a blast and so we got everything checked off their list for them and they literally had nothing not even all they had were the literally the clothes on their back yeah. so later that night George and and Garrett come to Claire and George's house they get they were done with practice and they're like well we got to go get the rest of the stuff on this list so the two of them go out to target or somewhere Mm -hmm. and they are shopping for the little girl she's like three years old (laughs) so you got these two big broody you know football players big dudes walking through uh the 
the aisles of Target with their cart, and they're just having a blast throwing in dolls and <laughs> and just everything you can imagine that was pink and girly clothes and um, Barbie dolls and little oh they got the cutest uh, like horse <laughs> and pony and and dollhouse My Little Garrett Pony so stuff and yeah proud of that. yeah and then they also did make sure that they threw in a pink basketball because we had to make sure that you know yeah something had, something athletic a right there. something athletic but you know you know the interesting thing to that story Shelley is now you're going to see how George would be when you have your grandchildren with uh, if they have uh, you have granddaughters uh, your daughter yeah. Claire and George now you see how great George will be with a daughter not just a son right are you kidding me he's, he's a kid himself <laughs> yes so, he'll be doting yeah he'll be Nonetheless. He's like a kid in a candy store. Oh, that's a comes. that's a great I mean, story. The guy still goes and buys like Legos and Batman <laughs> stuff for himself. Well, that's what I'm saying. Now it just won't be guy <laughs> stuff. He'll be fighting My Little Pony stuff over My Little Pony stuff with the, with your prospective yeah. granddaughter. But that is just so great to have you share those insights and, and those stories. And I got to correct myself. I think I said Brett Selleck early, but Garrett Selleck, yes. And uh, I just uh, when you hear stories like that, and again, it just tells you the kind of people uh, you know Claire Till and or T- Claire Till, Till Kittle and and George Kittle are, and, and you yourself and and the children you raise. It's just got to make you very proud to just see. You know, Shelly, you and I said this off the air, and as we wrap up this opening segment, because we want to get to our guest, Shane Wallen, but Shelly, I'll just say this to you, and, and people of our age, you just, you don't mind sharing this, you just celebrated a monumental uh, birthday a couple of weeks ago, uh, you're 50 and I'm in my 50s, and you know, we hear people of our age, Shelly, and even older go, oh, kids these days, but I want to tell you this, listeners, and age, I'm not a big determinator of age, but in this case, a guy like Shane Wallen, our upcoming guest, and we talk about Claire uh, Till Kittle and George Kittle in their mid-twenties, and you know, not to mention my daughter or your other, your other child, your son, Riley, um, Shelly, but when I hear that, oh, kids these days, you need to hear a story like what Shelly just told and what we're about to tell with our guest, Shane Wallen. Again, age doesn't matter, but in this case, if you have the negative thoughts of our kids these days... 25-year-old coming up, Shelley, I think is going to set people's mind right with the younger generation upcoming, don't you think? Absolutely. I, I've said it before. He's the He literally is the definition of grit. Yep. The, the guy yep. is incredible, and um, I know that I am a better person for having met Shane Wallen, and I think anybody that comes into contact with him would say the same thing. Yeah, and again, as we mentioned with with your kids, Riley and Claire, and my daughter Kelsey. I mean, we we we're a little biased on those opinions, but this guy, I have no vested interest. I've not met. I've just heard great stories and read great stories, and now I'm looking forward to meeting him over the airwaves. And uh, you've had a chance to meet him, so let's just get right to it now. Shane Wallen, upcoming after this brief break. She's Shelley Till, my friend and co-host. I'm Dave O'Hara. This is too much grit to quit. And again, please subscribe, rate, and review us. We love your feedback. Also, give us your comments. We'd love any suggestions or thoughts you may have about. The this podcast and show. Appreciate it. Too Much Grit to Quit, back with more in just a few moments. Welcome back to Too Much Grit to Quit. I am Shelly Till, along with my co-host, Dave O'Hara, and we are just thrilled to bring you our guest today. I've been trying to get him on the podcast, but he's a little bit busy right now (laughs) in the summer months. But uh, Shane Wallen, uh, I met, had the opportunity to meet Shane because I have to say he works for worked for two of my very favorite professional teams as the former assistant strength and conditioning coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Thus is how I met him. And currently the strength and conditioning coach for the Chicago Cubs. And we're going to get into his bio and everything he's been through. But Shane Wallen, welcome to Too Much Grit to Quit. Thanks, Shelly, for having me. Uh, I really appreciate you guys' time and 
um, it's an honor to be here. So. And you know, we Shelly, are thrilled to have you. I, I would agree with you, Shelly. Uh, Niners, I might say Bears. So Shane, you know, if you had a Bear affiliation, <laughs> but uh, Shelly knows too. And Shane, I mentioned off the air, I, I do. I uh, host a weekly uh, Cubs radio show with a couple of alumni, and uh, I agree with Shelly. Boy, Cubby, Cubby, Cubbies, you made a nice move. So, absolutely, it's uh, one of the best franchises in in, in all of sports. So it yes, was, it was a pretty easy decision when I uh, when I had the opportunity to come here. So. Well, Shane, I want to um, kind of back things up a little bit, because as I was reading through your story, I thought everything everything I read about you was like, oh, my goodness, he's perfect for this podcast, because the whole point of what we do is to highlight people's uh, lowlights, quite frankly. Um, I think right. there's so much so much in media and social media now that you just get everybody's highlight reel. So people look at you and they think, wow he's so young and he's so accomplished already. And how did he get to the 49ers? And, you know, how did he get to the Cubs already? That's like my dream job. If you're a strength and conditioning aficionado. And so, uh, but they have no idea, probably everything that you went through to get here. And so I just want to kind of back things up to, um, you know, you had some adversities in high school starting with, and, and I don't want to get too, too back into that, but just in terms of, trying to get bigger, faster, stronger, and being told in high school that you weren't going to play and you weren't good enough to play football at the next level. And so uh, your adversities um, and people telling you who they thought you were or weren't started at a pretty young age, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like uh, for the most part, I kind of experienced that, like you said, my most of my life. So it was nothing really new to me um, in terms of uh, the lack of belief or anything like that. Um, I just kind of use that as motivation to, um, you know, take myself to the next step and do what I had to do to, uh, to basically silence my, my doubters. Um, and to be honest, that kind of adversity was like, was really nothing compared to what I had, uh, what I had experienced, you know, in my personal life in high school. Um, so, that was also, you know, like when, when I had people not believing in me, I mean, that didn't really make me blink an eye. Um, like I said, I'd been through a lot more. Um, Can you tell us more about that, what you're referring to in terms of your personal life? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my mom had a lot of health issues um, growing up. You know, my mom actually, so my brother, I have a twin brother and uh we're, we're miracle babies. So we're the first miracle babies born in Northern California, um, more or less, because my mom went through menopause at 22 and then mm. had us at 34. So, wow. Um, so, yeah, so we were, like, the first in vitro babies in Northern California. And, um, you know, the, the doctors told her she had a 50% chance of having one kid, and then she popped out twins. So um, that was kind of a cool thing. Um, she had a, That's she had a awesome. rare blood disease. Yeah. A rare blood disease called hemochromatosis, which is like iron overload of the blood. And essentially, if you catch it by the time you're 18, um, there's no issues. You just get your blood drawn every three months. And, um, but unfortunately for her, they didn't catch it until she was in, uh, 26 years old and in the hospital with double pneumonia and thirsty. So by that time it had, it had destroyed, uh, a lot of her organs and, um, some of her organs weren't functioning correctly. Her pituitary gland 
um, was completely destroyed. So that kind of, um, ruined all of her hormones and all that stuff. So, uh, but then, you know, after we were born, uh, things were okay for a while. Um, then she, you know, when we got into high school, she started having some health issues and, um, the doctors really kind of said she wouldn't live past 50, but, um, but you know, when we watched her have two heart attacks, one of them was in a, was in a grocery store and the other one was later that night at our house. And then she had a hip replacement because the, the iron in her blood just um, ate through her hip socket. Um, so she had to have that done. And then, um, and then the cancer came along. So first round of cancer was in her, was in her throat. Uh, she had that removed. And then, um, this is probably our sophomore year in high school. Um, and then second time through was in her esophagus. So, uh, she had a major surgery for that. She had ever entire esophagus replaced with part of her intestine. And, um, she was down at, uh, university of San Francisco getting that done while my stepdad was, uh, sleeping in the parking lot of the, the, uh, the hospital. Cause you know, the hotels and everything were way too expensive down there and we just never really had any money. So, um, and this is all my, during my senior year. So me and my brother are at home alone for, about two or three months of our senior year, more or less fighting for ourselves. And, um, so once she came back, uh, things still weren't going well for her physically. Uh, she wasn't able to keep down food very well and, um, she was just still having some issues. And so a couple months later we took her in for another like CAT scan MRI. And, um, they had, uh, diagnosed her terminal with, with cancer, they didn't move to her liver, her kidneys and her back. Mm. So, um, they gave her four months to live. And this is right when I was like, uh, about to go play at my junior college, view college out in Chico, California. It's right next to my hometown. And, um, you know, when I got the news, it was just for me, I, it was a kind of a no brainer. Uh, I, I knew I wasn't really going to make a living off football. Um, I was confident in my ability to play at the next level, but you know, um, at that time, my, my, you know, focus shifted towards taking care of my mom and, um, you know, providing for myself. Cause like I said, we didn't really have any money. So I had to give up football and then, um, I went out and got three full-time jobs and was still going to school full-time. Um, because I, I mean, I wanted to be the first in my family to graduate college. So, um, so that's what I did. I, I, I stopped playing. Uh, I went and got three jobs and, and kept going to school and then, uh, went out to see my mom just about every day. Um, got her anything she needed, just sat and talked with her, um, whatever I could do, you know, to make it easier on her. And so that was obviously a tough part for me. Um, and that's what I mean by, you know, I, I've been through quite a bit more than people not believing in me. And so that when that kind of happens, I mean, I feel like you're going to have more people that don't believe in you than you are going to have people that do believe in you. So, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I sometimes I feel like a lot more people want to see you fail than they do want to see you succeed, which is OK. I mean, um, like I said, it just kind of fuels me to to uh, go out and prove everyone wrong. 
wrong. And, um, so yeah, so she, she passed away on the 4th of July, mm. uh, 2012. And then, um, you know, I, transferred from my junior college up to Oregon state and in hopes of continuing, uh, my strength conditioning career, um, as an intern there as a volunteer and, um, obviously finishing my degree there as well. And, uh, I was able to do that my first year. And then, um, we had a new coach come in when Mike Riley left for Nebraska, uh, by the name of Gary Anderson. And, um, he actually asked me to uh, walk on and play football. So um, he afforded me that opportunity. I, I walked on, uh, I earned a scholarship and played out my senior year, uh, which was pretty cool for me. That was a big dream for me to play division one football. So um, that's incredible. That. Yeah. yeah. And, and this from a guy who wasn't uh, good enough to quote unquote play high school football, Shane, that, that is incredible as, as uh, Shelly said. And if you just tuned in, this is too much grit to quit. I'm along with uh, Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara. And our guest today is Shane Wall. And Shane is a strength and conditioning coach for formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. Now with the beloved, at least here in the Midwest, Chicago Cubs. I know we go worldwide and nationwide, but uh, our Midwesterners here where the show is based is we're pulling for those Cubbies all the time, Shane. So in reference to what you had talked about with, and again, just so tragic to hear about your mother. But, uh, you know, Shelly and I always talk about on and off the air. You were exercising your grit muscle from the very beginning, you know, uh, being a miracle baby with your twin brother. And that's one thing I wanted to highlight. You know, you talked about Oregon State, but getting to that point, as you had mentioned and, and in your bio that, you know, you were told you weren't good enough to play high school football. But here you are, you know, culminating in a D1 scholarship and being a Division One football player at Oregon State. But in high school, you and your twin brother and I love what you were quoted as saying in one of the columns written about you uh, since this past year with the Paradise Fire or the campfire in Paradise California right out by Chico and I, I know that area very well and it was just a year after all the fires in Sonoma and Napa and nor the Northern Bay area so uh, just tragic that whole area from basically the ocean to the mountains but for you and your brother I love that it said you said you were quoted as saying it became a lifestyle as far as uh, your dietary regimen and also your weight your strength and conditioning regimen doing that working your three jobs and then quitting football and, and your junior college to spend more time with your mother I don't know what else to say except what Shelly just said earlier which is that is incredible so is that part of that fuel that you talked about and I relate to this a lot with each guest that we have you took that negative and used that as your fuel but it sounds like that was your fuel from the very beginning always told you weren't going to survive or make it that seems like that was your path from the very beginning right and that's and that's what I mean like me and my brother you know we were when we entered high school we were really small we were undersized and we were told we were too small to play football mm -hmm. you know so we took it upon ourselves to you know we where we grew up we grew up out on the on the sticks like out in the middle of nowhere my stepdad had this big red barn and you know in that big red barn we had like a bow flex we had a, we had a little bench mm -hmm. with some weights and me and my brother were like you know like forget what everyone else said let's control what we control let's let's start working out let's you know let's get bigger let's get faster let's get stronger so that's what we did every day of our freshman year. We went and worked out in the barn for like two hours every day. We went and ran. And, you know, we came back sophomore year. We both had a growth spurt. You know, we put on about 30, 40 pounds. And, 
Um, so that's where my kind of my affinity for training came along was right then. Um, because obviously like we've been told by coaches and by, you know, even our friends, like we're way too small. So like, it was never, it was never a matter of like, for me and my brother, it was never a matter of, Hey, we're just going to fold. Like we're going to believe these people. No, that's right. that. I, I don't believe that's in our DNA. So it was, <laughs> it was a matter of, obviously it was a matter of like, yeah, we're going to prove these people wrong. Like, and that's, that's, I've never changed my outlook since then, you know? Yeah. Um, Shane, I have, yeah. um, to Go that ahead. point, it's it, a lot of guys, a lot of people, a lot of athletes, you know, when who have gone through this types of adversity. And obviously your mother was very dear to you. And I just want to say as a mom, I so appreciate that you just put your life on hold for her. I think yeah. that's really cool. But um, you can't most people don't get through this, those types of adversities and as many that you've had uh, for over, you know, over the span of time without having a, a good solid support around them. So can you speak to who those people are for you that were able to, you know, be there that you could rely on and that, you know, I'm sure there were times where you felt like, Oh my, here we go again, kind of thing. You know, everybody gets discouraged at some point in time and just who was your support team that kind of lifted you up and, and pumped you up? Yeah. Uh, obviously my family, like my dad, um, still to this day, I, I talk to my dad on the phone almost every day. Um, obviously my brother, my brother was in the Marine Corps for five years. So like when all this was kind of, you know, going on, we had to be, um, extremely close. And then, you know, even uh, ever since then, I mean, he's been a huge support system for me and, uh, vice versa. So, definitely my family um i definitely surround myself with with my very close friends and, and their families um i have a a good friend of mine jordan rigsby who his parents are like are like my parents um and then i have mm-hmm. a friend jake brown who's his parents are the same way they're they're like my parents whenever i go back home um to chico i usually stay with one of them and and they treat me like family they always save me a spot at the dinner table and so um having people like that in your life, uh, when you're going through, um, adversity is, is definitely, uh, definitely going to keep you on the right track. Um, and I, I can't thank those people enough. So yeah, more or less it's, it was my close friends, my mm-hmm. family, and then also just staying busy. You know what I mean? Because sure, you stay busy, you don't have the time to sulk and sit there and think about it. And, um, that was a big thing for me too. That's why I wanted to go out and work and, and, um, you know, just so I could not keep my mind off of it. Cause obviously there's nothing I could do to keep my mind off what was happening or what had happened. But, um, more so than just sitting around thinking about it all the time and feeling bad for myself. Um, I didn't want, yeah. I don't, I didn't want to fall into that because I know a lot of people do, you know? Um, yeah, the importance and, of movement and keeping going and, and yeah, it's just, especially in your world of staying physically fit and, you know, watching what you're doing in terms of making sure that you maintain that, that level of energy and, and yeah, you can work your stressors out. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean like those two guys and actually I have another good friend of mine who actually is a tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jeff Swain. Um, He, uh, he was a big, big support system for me too. him and his family um and uh him and his wife who actually uh they met in high school and 
Um, I've known his wife since I was like in pre-K. So um, <laughs> they were also a, a big support system for me. So, um, yeah, I can't thank those guys enough. Well, and Shane, before we head to a break, uh, I've got a couple minutes left before we run to our first break with you. Um, let's kind of, before we get into your your most recent uh, past and current day stuff, when you talk about um, – you know, going through all the adversity you did and, and getting into strength and conditioning. And again, to coin your phrase, it became a lifestyle for you. And I'm glad you touched on your brother. So as we head into break, is he still in the military and still traveling with different uh, locations for, for his uh, stations? Or is he out of the military back in the Chico area? Or what, Since he was such a close support, and I was going to ask you that, and I'm glad you brought him up, uh, what is uh, going on with your brother these days? So uh, he is actually out of the military. Like I said, he spent five years in, in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, he's stationed down in Camp Pendleton. Um, and now he is out. He is living in actually Oahu, Hawaii. Oh. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're very far apart from each other. Um, and we don't get to see each other quite nearly as much as we'd want to. But, um, you know, we're both doing pretty well for ourselves. And, and he's doing uh, – he's actually doing – um, property management in uh, in Oahu for vacation, like beachfront vacation rentals. So, That's a good gig, good place. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's loving it. So, yeah, I bet. I, I, there's no sign of him coming back to <laughs> the mainland. He's he's like convinced he's going to stay there his whole life, which you know gives me a pretty good excuse to go to go to Hawaii uh, quite often. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you need a reason, but there you go right there, Shane, built in. So, hey, we're going to run to a quick break, and it's uh, Shane Wallen is our guest this week. It's Too Much Grit to Quit. My friend and co-host, Shelly Till, I'm Dave O'Hara, and we're and Shane is the uh, strength and conditioning coach with the Chicago Cubs, formerly uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, and Shane, a uh, Northern California guy, and we're going to get into that story in his location, the Chico area. Beautiful area, but as he said... Uh, Pretty rural and very beautiful area, but we're going to get into he uh, had a life-changing experience within the last year besides all these other life-changing experiences he's had growing up. And so just a fascinating story, and we're going to get into more of Shane's story. Shane Wallen, Shelley Till, I'm Dave O'Hara, Too Much Grit to Quit, back with more in just a few moments. Welcome back in. This is Too Much Grit to Quit, and I am Shelly Till along with Dave O'Hara. We have our guest, Shane Wallen. He is the strength and conditioning coach for the Chicago Cubs, formerly with the San Francisco 49ers, which is where I had the opportunity to meet Shane. And in fact, I think it was last November, I was out visiting Claire and George Kittle. That's so weird for me to say Claire Kittle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we were in the apartment and got a call and from George and Claire's like, mom, we got to get this stuff together. George's strength and conditioning coach is coming over. We're giving him a bunch of furniture and a bed to take to his dad because he's, uh, his dad got caught in the campfire, which is up in paradise, California. And I was like, wait, what, what, what is this? So just the fact uh, from a Midwest girl, you know, this is, we have tornadoes here, Shane. Yeah. We don't have major fires like this, but I was amazed at, just the devastation and the quickness and how rapid it just burned everything up, but had the opportunity to meet you. You were literally, I think at that point we threw stuff in the back of your pickup and you were going to take off and drive. This was 10 o'clock at night, if I remember. So uh, obviously that was a devastating event and you have a great, not a great story, but you have quite a story to tell about that. The events that transpired after you left uh, the Kittle ranch there. So, uh, 
yeah, just kind of take us through that. And what I've, what I actually ended up happening after you left with a pickup full of stuff to try to go help your dad. Yeah. Um, so at, at six in the morning, I, you know, I'd already been at work for about an hour and, uh, I, I got an, uh, an update on my phone about, um, a fire in Northern California. So I clicked on the link and opened it up and, um, it said, you know, uh, a wildfire had started in, in a concow area, which is about like five to 10 miles above my dad's house in paradise. And it said, you know, zero containment. It had burned about like a thousand acres or whatever. Um, and there was high winds. So I called my dad and, um, you know, he had heard about it. And he goes, yeah, it's a couple miles up from the house. Like it's, it'll get taken care of. It'll be good. Um, don't worry about it. So I was like, okay. And um, nine o'clock rolls around. I, you know, I just get got done uh, training the guys. So the, the offense, the defense comes in and uh, they do their thing. And we're heading to breakfast and I get another update on my phone that said, you know, by nine o'clock that uh, the fire had increased to 10,000 acres and still zero containment with high winds. So now I'm a little bit concerned. So I call my dad again and, um, you know, he goes, yeah, you know, it's, it, it looks like midnight outside. It's, it, the sky is black. Um, and so I go, well, dad, you, you might need to get out of there. You know what I mean? And I said, cause there's zero containment and they're evacuating North paradise. And, um, you know, and he goes, oh, I think we'll be fine. Like, I don't really think he understood the magnitude of the situation. Right. Um, Because then I saw, you know, that they were evacuating all of Paradise as a precautionary measure. Um, And I told him that. And he goes, no, I haven't seen that. You know, it's not on the TV or whatever. And, you know, he goes, let me call Sharon. Sharon's his wife. And, you know, she worked an hour away. And when she got there, they sent her back home because, you know, her coworkers were like, all of Paradise is on fire. You need to go back. Well, it was by the time she got back, it was too late. They wouldn't even let her into Paradise. Wow. So, um, so I'm working after I call my dad. I wasn't able to get to my phone until about noon. Um, and by that time, the fire had basically doubled or tripled in size. Still zero containment. So, um, you know, I call my dad in a panic, not knowing what's, you know, what I'm going to, what, what's going to happen. And he picks up the phone. I said, dad, you better be getting out of there. And he said, yeah, I got the dogs in the car right now. Um, we're getting out of here right now. And I said, were, were, you, were you able to grab anything else? And he goes, no, you know, I just grabbed a, like a change of clothes and a change of clothes for my wife. Um, he's like, I figured we'll be back in the next day or two. I go, dad, I don't think, I don't <laughs> think you're going to be back in the next day or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I don't think he understand how, how big this fire uh, was at the time. So he starts heading down the hill and he gets a quarter of a mile from our house and the McDonald's is already burned down. Mm, so, wow. yeah, so he got out just in time. Most people were evacuated by 10 a.m. I was told and he didn't leave till like 1230. So, um, you know, as I'm talking to him on the phone, as he's driving down the hill to Chico, you know, he, he's driving through downtown paradise and he just goes, Oh my God, like there's all of downtown paradise is on fire. And this is below his house. Wow, how so, scary. Right, and then he's on the Skyway, which connects Chico to Paradise, and he said there's 50-foot flames on both sides of the highway. Mm. Wow. And, 
yeah, so I'm sitting there on the phone like, oh, my, like, is my dad going to make it out, you know? Um, and so fortunately he did, and, and everyone made it out okay uh, for my family, but there was, all, there was also other people that weren't as fortunate. And um, But, yeah, so that was uh, – at that point I was still at work, but I knew my dad and my family was safe. But I still felt the need, like, I needed to go down there because I knew we were going to lose our house and everything in it. And, um, you know, George, who I love to death, um, George Kittle, that is, he was he was getting rid of his bed and he wanted me to help him sell it. So, but then I, I just told him, I said, hey, I'll, I'll buy it off you. Like, I got to, can I, can I buy it off you? Can I take it to my dad? I told him what happened and he said, don't even worry about it. Just take it. And so after I got off work is when I came over to uh, the Kittle Ranch and uh, <laughs> and we strapped that bed to my truck and uh, I drove it down to Chico, which was about a three, four hour drive that night. And because um, I needed, you know, I, I my dad needed somewhere to sleep. So um so I, I got him set up in, in, in a spot and, uh, you know, like I said, fortunately he, he made it out. All right. Um, we weren't a hundred percent sure that everything had been burned down, but you know, from what we had been told, the entire city had burned down in less than 12 hours. So Ugh. we weren't very hopeful, um, of what we were going to find and, um, come to find out, obviously, uh, we did lose everything and, um, so, but there's, like I said, looking on the bright, brighter side of things, there's a lot of people that lost a lot more than, uh, than we did. So, Well, and Shane, to that point, I wanted to commend you and want the listeners to know, um, you need to go either on YouTube or online, and if you Google uh, Shane Wallen, W-A-L-L-E-N, there's great stories posted. Uh, you got the football, uh, high school football team back on the field. You helped with fundraisers. You did as much, not just your dad, and, and you're way too humble, and I, and I understand that, but all the things you've gone through in your life leading up to the last year's campfire in Paradise, appropriately named at the time, a Paradise, California, but then that paradise was basically burned up as you said you went to the local walmart outside of chico because the hotels it's very similar to the story you told about your stepdad sleeping in the parking lot at uh, the hospital in san francisco when your mom was sick there are so many displaced people those that did survive to your point shane that were living in the parking lot of walmart because the hotels were all at capacity or beyond their financial means and they had nowhere to stay they had no water food and you went by there on the regular and i just want the listeners to know that's quite a commute from Santa Clara or South San Francisco all the way up a couple hours north in Northern California, north of the city through a lot of traffic. And you brought them supplies on the regular and sounding like you do and hearing just your tone and the way you live your life and what motivates you, you know, how thankful you were that Shelly's son-in-law, George uh, Kittle and her daughter, Claire Till Kittle, uh, you know, donated their bed to you and other things. You turned around and gave all that stuff and took out of your own pocket to help other people, other residents that were displaced uh, I, it's just amazing to me all you've gone through where the first thing you do is immediately say well I've got a shirt on my back why don't you take this one and another one uh, kudos to you for all of your and people like yourself the efforts in Northern California yeah thank you I appreciate it and I mean and I still to this day I'm still looking to kind of uh, to reach out and help in, in some way I, I know I'm a lot farther away now but um, 
I mean, at the time I was just trying to do what I could and, and for, that's great. Like, I know I don't know those people, but those are my people, you know, that mm-hmm. those are like the people of paradise, the people of Chico, like in a way raised me to who, like to what I am and who I am today. And although they didn't have a, maybe a direct impact. And like I said, maybe I did, I didn't know them. Those are still my people. So mm-hmm. if, if I can help in any way, I, I have an obligation to do that. And that's how I've always been. It's not like for me, it's like, if you can't help, then you should. Yep. It's not mm-hmm. there. So there was no question for me on, Hey, I need to use the platform I have to spread as much awareness about this issue as, as, as possible. And, and the, to credit the 49ers, they did an outstanding job of um, raising money for, for the campfire and, and helping me get those kids out to the, to the football field. And, um, yeah, you know, to the 49ers players who donated to my GoFundMe, uh, we raised like $30,000 that I gave directly to, uh, the North Valley community foundation. And, um, that's awesome. So it, it, it was honestly the least I could do for, for the people in my hometown. I mean, um, and, and to get, just go spend time with those people in the Walmart parking lot and just talk to them and get to know them. Like, yep. you know, giving them clothes and giving them shoes and giving them food and all this stuff and blankets. That was one thing, but just getting to hear their story and getting to talk to them was, was really special. Well, that so. tells us all we need to know about you. And Shelly, as you and I talked about off the air, uh, there's no more truer definition of grit right there than all he's gone through, mm-hmm. Shane himself. But then you look at what he does for others, as you and I discussed off the air, Shelly. That's truly amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, that's why I think it, you just – George speaks so highly of you, Shane, and, and just so endearing. And, and literally when I said, hey, who else do we need to get on this podcast, you're the first person that came out of his mouth. It's like you got to get <laughs> Shane on there. And so, again, thank you for uh, joining us. Again, this is Too Much Grit to Quit. I'm Shelly Till along with Dave O'Hare. Our guest is Shane Wallen, the current strength and conditioning coach for the Chicago Cubs. And I want to kind of shift gears into your – professional life right now um i loved a description i read about you online it said you're a a body mechanic and you turn athletes (laughs) into well-oiled machines i thought thought that was very appropriately uh descriptive of what you do and you do it so well and my first question i have for you because i don't want to run out of time before i ask this question george told me i have to ask you about arm farm fridays (laughs) (laughs) oh okay so (laughs) Uh, that was an in-season tradition last year, um, and you know, because the guys on Monday they have a you know a lower body lift, and then that Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday is an optional. They can get their second lift of the weekend, and then usually Wednesday or Thursday, most guys will come in and get their second lift in. But Friday was another; it was a different story. You know, it started out with just the tight end group um, and Jimmy Garoppolo, so it was just Kittle, it was Selleck. You know, it was Wick, it was Dwelly, um, and Jimmy. And it was just just the tight ends. And, you know, we just did a little bit of bicep, tricep, and some back and shoulder work on Fridays just to blow the guys up, give them a little ego boost and confidence before <laughs> they leave for the weekend. <laughs> nice. And, uh, yeah. So Which way to the started, beach arms? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the gun show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sun's out, and, guns uh, out. That's right. Exactly, exactly. And it's and it's in the heat of the summer, and so it was it was a perfect time to do it. And like I said, it just started out as just the tight ends and myself, and um, and then you know as the season kind of progressed, you know all of a sudden the running backs started gravitating towards it, and then we had some <laughs> offensive linemen gravitate, and then we had some of the defensive guys come. Then all of a sudden it's like 
on farm Fridays, that's like a part of the routine. Like we had damn near half the team in there doing arm farm Friday or more like at some point. So it was, it kind of became part of the culture and I, I credit, uh, and I credit George and, uh, you know, McGlinchey and, and all those guys, um, you know, for getting the word out there and, and getting guys involved. And that's the culture they have there. You know, everyone's so tight there. And, um, they, I think they really have a good thing going over there. And, um, Obviously, I, uh, you know, I, I don't like leaving before things are finished, but I, I see big things for them, and it would have been cool to be a part of it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I keep in touch with all those guys, uh, especially George. Man, we talk about every week, but Arm Farm Friday was definitely uh, a highlight of my week every week. Now, who so, says pro? You- yeah, who says pro sports isn't about ego, right, Shane? <laughs> were you able to transition arm farm friday into uh into the chicago cubs or or and to that point what are the differences between training and your job between nfl guys and major league baseball players um i haven't i haven't quite introduced uh arm farm fridays yet uh <laughs> we we do have some guys that that um that do like the lift and get after it but baseball is a much different beast right so um football is a contact sport um you know, much more aggressive sport. Uh, and, you know, there's one game played a week where baseball is just about every day. So um, you definitely have to take that into account. Um, I think there's a lot more structure and uh, there's a it, it, football is a lot more militant and structured than, than baseball is uh, because there's, you know, there's meetings every, every day at certain times. There's practice every, you know, not every day, but, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, where baseball, it's, you know, basically, we we play every day. We show up to the park. You know, guys take batting practice. The pitchers throw, and that's more or less practice. But um, in terms of like meetings and stuff like that, there's not really uh, daily meetings held just because you know we play every day, and there's not too much to meet on. I, I guess I you know I haven't been doing this long, but um, so that's the biggest difference. Um, I would say also. The hours are a lot different. Uh, I I think in baseball I'm working a lot less hours than I was in football, um, and so that that that's surprising to some people. But um, yeah, I think you know. So for like a night game, if it's a seven seven o'clock game, I don't show up till one thirty. If it's a uh, you know if it's a one thirty or one o'clock one twenty game, I don't show up till about nine thirty. So it's a lot different in that regard. And then the athletes themselves is they're they're completely different. Um, they're similar in some ways. Football and, and, and baseball are both acceleration-based sports. Um, and uh, But like I said, in terms of like contact and stuff like that, there's not much contact in baseball. It's a, it's a throwing overhead sport, baseball is, and um, where in football, you know, you got the quarterback who's throwing the ball, and that's it. So yeah. Um, and the pitchers are much different than the uh, position players. And um, the relievers are much different than the starting pitchers, you know, in terms of their routines, because the relievers can be up potentially every day where starters have five days in between. So um, starters are much more like football players in terms of their routines. You know, they've got their day one and day two lifts and then they have their day three prep or whatever they do. And then day four is usually an off or soft tissue day or um, and then they pitch on day five. So. And then the position players who play every day, it's it's tough for those guys. You gotta um, get the most out of the time you get with them because 
you know, like I said, they're, they're playing every day. Right. Where and, in football, you know, you're playing once a week. Well, and so. Shane, I want to slip in with one more question before Shelly has our usual closing question. Unfortunately, we're getting tight on time with you, so wanted to wrap up on those two. My question, and Shelly's got a closing question we always, she always asks, and, you know, in, in to what you're just saying, but to get a little finer point to that, mentality-wise is what I was going to lead into. Obviously, we know the physical scheduling differences, the game differences, but when you got linebacker or tight end type bodies in a Anthony Rizzo at first base, not quite, but getting there, you know, at 6'4", 240-ish, and uh, KB, Chris Bryant, big dude, plays third base in the outfield, and so you see his, you know, body type, and then you got a guy with attitude-wise, like Wilson Contreras behind the plate, or a Kyle Schwarber, uh, they've got that football mentality. Do you have to somewhat tone those guys down once in a while to to your joke and your point about Arm Friday, not really a joke, but our light-humored comments, do some of those guys want to get a little more, and you look at a Brooks, Brooks Kepka as a golfer even, so some of the sports are transitioning now into more of a lifting. You know, Brooks Kepka will lift right before he plays a round of golf in a major tournament. So I'm just curious as the mentality, uh, instead of, you know, promoting or pumping these guys up, do some of these guys like a Contreras and a Schwarber, the younger guys, you got to tame them down a little bit? Or is everybody pretty much uh, fall in line when it comes to listening to guys like yourself and Tim Buss, the coordinator of strength and conditioning with the Cubs? Yeah, no, I mean, they, they more or less listen to Tim and myself. Um, and the, the, the guys are really smart, and, and they're very aware of their bodies. So mm-hmm. we kind of time their lifts around if they have an off day. You know what I mean? If they're, right, they're going right. to have an off day the following day, we're going to try and get them in that night after the game. Or, um, you know, if they're not playing that day, then we'll get them in for a lift. Um, but the guys all do work hard. You know, sure. Contreras, KB, Rizzo, like they all do their work. They all train. And, and like I said, they're – they communicate very well. So if they're not feeling too well physically, they'll let us know. If mm-hmm. they feel good or if they want to lift on a certain day, they'll let us know. And we have a plan for them. So um, it's much different than football, like where lifts are structured and put in certain days of the week. Sometimes the guys just come in and go like, hey, I need to get a lift in. Mm-hmm. So we got to be ready with something for them. But, yeah, all those guys are very responsible. Um, they more or less adhere to everything we have to say and, and listen to us and um, – you know, I think it's a it's a testament of the culture and the in the organization and and our recent successes. So we just got to keep that going, and um, hopefully we can bring another uh, World Series to Wrigley. There you go. Love to hear it, Shelley. I let you ask the question. We always love to close with fire away. Well, Shane, you know it's too much grit to quit. So I always always act, like to ask everyone, what is your definition of grit, and who do you know that lives gritty? Who exemplifies grit to you? Mm, definition of grit. Um, I would probably say, um, man, I would say just a, I'm trying to put this into words. Um, someone who is like not shaken, um, or moved by, anything or distracted by anything and we'll do whatever it takes to uh to accomplish any goal that they have like that's to me that's that's the definition of grit and that's like no matter what's in front of you you will get around it you'll go above it you'll go below it you'll you'll overcome it um and to reach your goal or goals um and i think that uh 
I think that's my definition of grit. And someone who is gritty, um, could it be anyone? Is, are we talking about? It can be whoever comes to mind when you think of the word grit. Um, Besides yourself, clearly. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and gritty. Um, I'm just trying to think of anyone who's kind of been through something uh, similar as myself that I that I know. Um, oh, I've got a good one. Um, I'm gonna go with Marquise Goodwin. Oh yes. Oh, what a what from, a story. From last year. I know Marquise really well. Yeah. And um I know he's been through a lot the last couple of years. And um you know, with uh with losing his unborn children and um right. that guy has uh persevered and, and he's the same person every day. And um I I'm I still am really close with Marquise. Uh, obviously, I don't get to see him or talk to him as much as I'd like to, but um, big shout out to him and, and, and his beautiful wife for um, for everything they've gone through and, and still remain humble and, and great, amazing people. Well, and Shane, and, uh, we hear from listeners that we should have him on. And I was telling Shelley, I remember when he scored that touchdown days after he lost his unborn children and running in for that touchdown and on the big board they showed and he had tears streaming down his face as he was taking it to the house. And I, I've never... I'm outside the game, obviously. You were, you're close to him. That is a great person to define grit, I'll tell you that much. 100%. Yeah. yeah I'm honestly kind of surprised it took me that long, but there's a there's a couple people who I was thinking about, but, yeah, that most recently, that's uh, that's one individual that I myself learned a lot from. Well, besides um, your dad and your mom and your brother and everybody else, like you said, you play in a, a warrior-based, uh, or you work in a warrior-based in football and now baseball. So, yeah, I'm sure a lot did come to mind. But, Shane, it pains me to say this, but, uh, well, it pains me not to say this, which is we got to have you back because it pains me to say we've run out of time with you. But So I know <laughs> we know you're busy, but if there's ever a time we could have you back, we, I, we know we barely cracked the surface with you. So we'd love to have you back whenever it works in your schedule. Awesome, man. Well, thank you guys for having me, and uh, I really appreciate your guys' time oh. and having me on. Oh, it's uh, our pleasure. Pleasure. Hey, it's we our pleasure, too. You. Yeah. For Shelly Till, I'm Dave O'Hara, and again, thanks to Shane Wallen. And again, he's the strength and conditioning coach with the Chicago Cubs, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. And again, uh, Shane, throw your Twitter handle out there again because you got all your uh, good works and what you're doing prefer- personally and professionally. I could read it out, but I want you to, and that'll be our last tag of the show from you. So give us your Twitter handle, please. Yeah, it's uh, S Wallen twenty. So S W A L L E N two zero. And then, of course, that'll link you to your Instagram as well. So all that good stuff there. Shane, as Shelly just said, too, can't even begin to say thank you enough. One, for your stories, but two, for your time. And go Cubs go, as I'm sure you're used to hearing now. So let's fly that W, Shane. Yes, sir. Fly that W. we got a big game tonight, and hopefully we can get another one. I love, I love it. I love it. For Shelly Till, I'm Dave O'Hara and Shane Wallen. And too much grit to quit. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us. We love your feedback and greatly appreciate your listenership. Once again, for too much grit to quit, I'm Dave O'Hara. She's Shelly Till, Shane Wallen. That's all from us, and thanks to all of you.
This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Sports personalities Shelly Till and Dave O'Hara bring you non-sugar-coated stories of the famous, not-so-famous, and everyday hometown heroes who have overcome adversity and incredible challenges to achieve success. Too Much Grit to Quit. Discover the key to unlock the chains that keep you from achieving your dreams. Please subscribe, like, share, and download today.